0: All right, another fantastic spring week. Having some good time playing some golf. I've been coaching some fun classes with all types of golfers, from all the way down from age two, all the way up to some senior golfers, beginners, experienced players, low handicappers. Mixed bunch. Been having a good time out here in San Diego and hope you have been as well. Golf's mental game is something that is talked about a lot these days. And I would say one person that comes to mind right away is Hideki Matsuyama, who just won the 2021 Masters. And from what's mentioned by other players on tour is how hard his work ethic is, and also how he's able to control his emotions no matter what happens on the golf course. I think that's important for us to think about and take away. Today, we're going to have our first mental golf coach on the podcast, Josh Nichols from Foundations Mental Performance
1: building the habit to be able to highlight the good things and see the good things and actually list them. And, and once you list them, you see them there on paper or on the computer screen of, I did those three things well today, whether it was a, a birdie or a good bounce back or a good workout, or I hung out with friends and I, I saw someone I hadn't seen in a while, or I, I went and worked, I did carts at the golf course, I made a little money. Whatever it is, like, you did good things.
0: Josh grew up in the game of golf and went on to play college golf. He improved drastically under the tutelage of his coach, Robert Linville, both with his swing improvements and even more so on the mental game. As Josh stepped away from playing, he began to groom up-and-coming golfers on the mental game and help them learn what he learned along the way. I'm excited for this conversation because I know it's going to help me both with my golf game and my personal life as well, and I think it will for you too. So sit back, listen, and let's enjoy this episode with Josh. All right, Josh, I'm so excited, and welcome to the Raising Golfers podcast.
1: Yeah, good to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, today's chat is going to be really interesting because what we're going to talk about is something that I haven't had the pleasure of doing yet on the podcast, which is talking a little bit more about the mental side of the game with an expert like yourself and also particularly with how that can tie in with junior golfers.
1: Yeah. Um, expert is uh, maybe a stretch, but I appreciate it. Um, yeah. A lot of the players I work with are, are junior players. So it's it's definitely a, an area of expertise for me, uh, at least over the last couple of years. And of course I was a junior golfer. So, um, I'd like to think I have some, some decent opinions in the area. Let's hear
0: where this all started. how did you get into coaching the mental side of golf?
1: Yeah. So, um, I've told this story a fair number of times, so I hope I have it down decently and concisely, but I, to take it back to, uh, college golf, I am kind of prior, you know, junior golf. So I, from the time I was 12 on, I wanted to play in the PGA tour. I wanted to be a professional golfer. So, you know, from then through college and after it was, that was all I cared about. So uh, I went to Appalachian state, uh, you know, I'll get a degree, but really I'm just trying to get better at golf. It was the, it was the school that wanted me with the best, um, you know, scholarship offer and just all around best opportunity for me that I thought this will help me get better at golf. And, um, as is most people's case, they don't get, you know, dramatically better during college. They don't get as good as they want to be. So I, I moved back into my parents' house after college and, and continued to work on it and, and had the, had the comfort of, of knowing that my parents were going to support me for As long as I wanted to do it, really, it was kind of the way we talked about it. And so over the next four years, I'd say I just was working on it, practicing, not but still really not getting where I wanted to be. And then enter my now mentor kind of boss, kind of still wears a few different hats for me and then instructor Robert Limville uh he's he's an instructor of a golf school over here uh close to me now in Greensboro North Carolina called Precision Golf School and so i i was looking around and said i'm not getting good enough who do i need to go to that that will help me and i kind of found Robert and worked with him you know starting with just swing lessons Um, but as we spent more time together, it, it developed into more mental game related talk and, um, the things Robert was able to do and the exercises he introduced to me that were really not even swing related at all helped me like kind of created the, the mortar that held all the bricks together, like the, the swing bricks and the physical game bricks. He filled those cracks in and helped me accelerate my improvement and and long story short i had a i a year and a half of really good golf uh playing with him uh as my instructor and um and i ultimately decided that professional golf was not what i wanted to do anymore and so at that point i said okay i got to move on i got to find something else to do i got to get a job so i talked to robert and said what do you Do you have any suggestions for me? And he said, I think what you improved on can you can help other players do the same thing as much as you improved your mental game. You can help other players improve their mental game. So let's try this. And, you know, that was kind of early 2019 that we had that conversation. Um, And two years later, it's um, I'm going strong, working with a lot of mental, uh, doing a lot of mental sessions with junior golfers that are some pre- from precision golf school and some independent of my own. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been an awesome two years. Thanks to Robert, really. I wouldn't be here without him. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I like that story a lot. And it, I think, you know, from your experience, you're you've been able to now translate into a profession and then also share your experiences, probably the ups and downs that you've had with junior golfers and adults on the mental side of the game. And I, I think that's so important now who do you think mental coaching is for? Is there a specific type of player or can you scale it down to any type of player?
1: It, it would be bad business tactics for me to say it's only for this one player. Um, it It definitely helps players that are going to be playing in tournaments more than just purely casual players. But even with that being said, everyone wants to play the game better. There's... I don't know of anyone who who says I I don't care to get better and I also on the same note I don't know any player that would ever say I think perfectly during the entire round of golf. No one says that so the with those two as truths of golf everyone wants to get better at the game and also no one feels that they think perfectly throughout the round. I think I mean I think the mental game can benefit everyone if only for the benefit of enjoying the game more because that's a huge benefit of having a a good mental game is being able to accept things and move on and if you're hanging on to things and mad constantly throughout the round then you're you're probably not enjoying it as much so while I would understand those players not investing in a mental coach because they They don't have the same goals. Um, I think it can apply to everyone, especially players like junior players that want to get into college, uh, amateur players that play in tournaments, professional golfers that need to make a living, um, and casual golfers that just want to enjoy it more. So really, it's for everyone, I, I personally believe. I mean, from my experience personally
0: about myself and my own game, I would believe everything you just said, and I've seen it myself as well. And I think it's really important you said there is even just for the pure enjoyment of the game. Like I've found that myself, I've enjoyed the game more over the last five years than probably ever in my life. And my scores haven't gone dramatically up per se, but I've been able to still enjoy myself, not worry about those ups and downs. And um, one thing for me that's helped is just staying committed to one thing or staying committed to a process and, I'm not even sure how it all came about, but it's just really helped me so much. And that's just a small scale. And I'm sure from your profession, you know, you've got so many other tactics to add into that, but I can say it's helped me a ton. So that's really cool. Now, parents want their junior golfers to play better golf. How do you involve parents in this process of helping
1: junior golfers on the mental side? This is a a funny answer to that question is... I try to uninvolve parents as much as possible. And that's that I'm not the I didn't come up with that to to say it's not my idea that parents need to be less involved, not more. Robert was the first one to kind of introduce that to me. And then I've heard it from all sources. And I'm sure it's something that's come up with you in in your recent episodes or in your podcast and in your life. Uh, dealing with junior players and parents is kids are are it, it's so tough to to tell a parent how to parent their kid, and it's so tough to tell a kid how to be a kid in relation to their parent. But there there is a fine line between what a parent should do and how involved a parent should be in their kid's life and in their kid's golf development. And in my sessions with players, I try, I try as hard as I can to say on the parenting things, on the father-daughter things, on the mother-daughter things, you know, parent-child things, non-golf related, I am out of that. I, I'm not involved in that. You should probably listen to your parents in all of those cases. But a lot of the players I work with really butt heads with their parents as far as golf things go and and it's not always the stereotypical overbearing golf dad it it's I mean it could it comes in all forms uh, of of any any gender any side of the parent it that it doesn't there's no one constant there but inevitably a parent wants to see their kid play better like you said and will do whatever it takes to do that. And the challenge is letting the challenge is a parent letting the quote unquote experts, the coaches, the the people that do this constantly for a living with, you know, hundreds of different players or whatever it is, to let them be the source of golf for for that kid. Because what ends up happening is in my experience, And in my own personal life is the more a parent is involved in the kid's golf, the more the kid will resent the parent. And, um, so it's like advice to parents to say your relationship with your kid will be better if you stay out of golf. It, and I think most parents think this is something my kid enjoys. I should be as involved as possible. And, that will help our relationship. And I, I've i learned that that's, that's definitely not the case. And there's no absolutes. And some, like, to take it back recently, I don't know when you'll post this, but to the Masters, Xander Shoffley, he, his dad is still his coach. And he's almost 30 or around 30. And his dad is still his coach. Justin Thomas, his dad is still his coach. Very involved in the golf daily, constantly involved in their golf. So there's definitely no constants, but as a whole, in general, parents being too involved or sometimes involved at all uh, in their kids' golf leads to resentment in either direction. Uh, So I I try to say, parent, let's, let's let the kid have their versions of self-discovery and their versions of mistakes and difficulties. And let's not, let's try not to cushion them. And most parents are like, please, I kind of just want to be out of it. Please take my kid. So how involved should they be? As little as possible in general.
0: Yeah. I think that was a good explanation. And obviously you you're speaking from pure experience of what you've seen, not only just with yourself, but then also, you know, players that you've coached and I think involvement sometimes doesn't have to be over involvement it can be minimal involvement like you said and honestly from what i've heard and talked to and seen i think the biggest involvement parents can have with the best influence is just overall encouragement and just like you said letting the child be able to do a lot of their own self discovery and encouraging your child to develop as who they are right because they are humans and they are other ve- children are brilliant and they can figure things out and get things done usually faster than us adults can.
1: Yeah, so a kid doesn't have all of the burdens and the baggage that us adults have. And to your point, kids are brilliant. They they have this creativity and this kind of innocence in a in a way that they without parental interference they can come up with things that we just would never would never even cross our minds. so and and maybe you were possibly leading to this if a parent can instead of telling and instead listen and ask questions and find out what the kid needs and because that's something I'm having to learn as a coach of I need to tell less and ask more. And because a kid gets told constantly throughout the day lectures in class, whatever parents telling them to, do their chores, whatever, constantly told, told, told. And they rarely get an opportunity to express and and be listened to. And when it comes to golf and like post round, like if you want to get detailed with it, if a parent, if all a parent does is ask questions and and tries to listen to what their kid is going through, went through, it it would just, it would make a world of difference because most parents say, I noticed you did this on hole seven. I think you should try to not do that. And that's a kid just, in my experience, again, doesn't hear it. Just it it just hits their head and bounces off. So, yeah, it's 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 so hard. It's such a fine line to straddle. But if a if a parent can listen more, uh, they can they can realize the genius, the innocence, the the pure creativity that a kid can have. I I totally agree with you.
0: I would say for me, I've been a coach longer than I've been a parent and uh, now I am a parent and I do start to see Mm -hmm. some of those things on the other side of the fence, you know, not just the coaching things, but also the parenting things. And that's helped me kind of develop who I am as a golf coach as well. And even more so as a parent. And I say, and I've said this before on the, on the podcast, you know, parenting any athlete is very delicate. And like you said, fine line, I think it's the same thing. Right. And it's not easy, it's difficult, isn't it? And you know, some of this advice you're given here I think is huge for parents, but I think we have to reflect on it and we have to remember that and we've gotta think about what our long-term goals are and maybe that's just to play golf with our children for the rest of our lives. And those things will help us cater to our children's needs even more. So I think that's really cool and important. Totally agree. We're gonna jump a little bit forward now from your experience. From the mental side of coaching, in your opinion, what are the big differences between players who quote unquote make it and those who don't?
1: Yeah, this is obviously the million dollar question. I mean, I think it comes down to work ethic, uh, if you could boil it down. And there's a million little variables that I personally experienced. And because I, I always had extremely good work ethic and extremely good discipline And it took my skill to a level that I I never thought could could get me there. But I, at the end of the day, there were variables such as you know, such simply as like money and um, just the means to be able to do the things that you want. I mean, ultimately, it was kind of drive and and want to continue on that prevented me from making it. But. Something like I I actually never turned pro, but I did make it to college golf, which is uh, knowing the the audience of yours is is a a lot of people are wondering, how can we make it to college golf? I did make it to college golf. uh, Nothing stopped me from getting there. So that was work ethic. That was attention to detail, working with an instructor, being coachable, listening to the instructor, doing what the experts suggested, because as a 16-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old, thir- I didn't know what to do. I I look back then and say, I wish I had sought out more advice, not listened to less people. So how do you make it to college golf? Work ethic, listening to coaches. And I mean, that, I say that comes down to work ethic, where most other kids my age who went to college, but were also on the golf team with me, but didn't make it to college golf, the major difference there was I would go to the golf course when they would go home and hang out and do nothing. And, and I like, I grew up going, I still do, but I grew up going to church. And, and if you go to church as much as you can, and my friends would, you know, Wednesday night, you know, where were you, Josh Wednesday night? Oh, I was playing golf and I was, you know, I was pursuing my goal. So like there are, There are sacrifices in all areas of life that if you've got this goal of playing in college golf or ultimately turning pro or or whatever, being the best golfer you could ever want to be, work ethic cannot be ignored. So I, I think if you had to pin it on one thing, it has to be work ethic, discipline, putting in the time, putting in the quality time. That has to be it. I would agree. Totally. Is
0: there any exercises that you do with like a new junior golfer that comes to see you on the mental side? Like a few like set questions you might ask them just to get a better understanding of where they are, or maybe something that they can walk away with and think about. And for our listeners, the same thing that maybe somebody can try to do for themselves, just kind of help them and jumpstart them on the improving their mental side of the game.
1: Yeah. So a, a major first thing that I I ask a player is kind of why do you play the game? Uh, what are your big goals? Because if if the why is just to have fun. And the, do I have any major goals? No, not really. Then first of all, why, you know, I'm surprised we're having the session in the first place. And that, that almost never happens. Everyone has goals. So those goals inform what we go and talk about, because if they say, I want to play in college, I want to be a D one college athlete and eventually turn pro, then how I invest into them is going to be another level up from someone who says, "Eh, yeah, I just, I kind of just want to get better and like, okay, well, let's take this a little more casually, but a 14, 15 year old that says, no, I want to play it over here. Like a good school would be Duke or NC state or something like that. And, and okay, you want to get into Duke to play college golf. You got to like, we need to get going. Like you need, you need to step it up. And so that, that totally evolves the level of investment that i'll do with the player and the the level of the standards that will hold the player to, but then separately something that i would always kind of prescribe to a player a very common one that i prescribe to a player is something called a three-in-one exercise Uh, and it's something the listeners can do anyone can do this and it's something i did when i was trying to turn pro something robert Limville had me do and something i have almost all of my players do is every day, write down three good things you did from today. And then every day, write down one thing you could improve from today. And then don't stop there. Specifically, how do you plan on improving that thing tomorrow? And the the reason why I prescribe this is because across the board, almost every single golfer tends to see the negative things primarily. They they say, oh yeah, I had that double. I, I shanked it on hole eight. Oh, I, I had a Triple on hole sixteen when everything was going great, so they rattle off the bad things, and then it's like, "What'd you do well?" And they really have to sit there and like, "Well, what what did I do well?" And if they make it a habit to like highlight the good things that they do, they shift their perspective from easily quickly being able to see the negative things, which never goes away. I don't think as a human, but you know building the habit to be able to highlight the good things and see the good things and actually list them. And, and once you list them, you see them there on paper or on the computer screen of I did those three things well today, whether it was a, a birdie or a good bounce back or a good workout, or I hung out with friends and I I saw someone I hadn't seen in a while, or I, I went and worked, I did cards at the golf course. I made a little money whatever it is like you did good things and you you as a negatively biased person is not going to inherently see those good things so put a habit in daily that will build the strength of your of your optimism basically and that that's just one of a of several different exercises that I would have a player do but that one in my own life shifted me from A very low self-image of myself and my game to, you know what, I look at all these good things I've done. And over the course of two or three months of daily doing this activity, I shifted from I'm, I'm not as good as I want to be to, I see the value of what I, of the work I've put in. I see myself as a better golfer. And so I show up to a golf tournament And it made a real difference in the way I would carry myself and the confidence I would carry to the first tee throughout the round, knowing that I could make up for bad things because look at all the good things I've done. That is, that's probably the biggest, most holistic self-image, self-belief boosting activity that I have players do. And it's, um, it's just invaluable. It's the most important thing I've, I've done as a golfer. So all the listeners out there do that exercise. That is that can help you really what I think is so important about the mental side
0: of golf is not just the golf itself like that task alone can help you so much even outside of the game of golf and just in life and correct me if I'm wrong but I'm sure a lot of the things that you do help players improve just their overall quality of their own lives outside of the game I mean have you seen that with players or have you gotten that feedback before
1: yes I I have but I need as a coach I need to poke at that more. Uh I need to ask players, okay, all we talk about is golf, but like let's zoom out a little. Do you notice the differences in your life from from these kind of from these exercises or the way we talk about things? And yes, I have noticed it, but I also don't I don't draw attention to it enough. I I make things just like in my own life, when I was that age, I make things too much about golf. But if if my own experience is any, any example of the value these things can have on my life, uh, and it's the only example I know of, which I know it's not, but it completely changed my, just changing my self-belief and self-image completely changed my life um, to the point where, I mean, this is, off topic a little, but it it led me to meeting my now wife because I was notoriously embarrassed and ashamed to to talk to any any girl and, and like put myself out there because I just had a horrible self image about myself. Um, so to use this non golf example, it me building my self image using golf and using a basically golf activity helped me just be a better person completely and i need to i need to get that feedback from my players to to say do you see this helping you and if not we need to work on why that might not be because that's there's there's nothing more important cuz you'll stop playing golf eventually you'll stop playing competitive golf eventually you might not make it to where you want to be on the LPGA tour or the PGA tour so we need to let's turn inward and like, let's look at you as a person every once in a while, at least. So I appreciate you kind of giving me that reminder that I need to do that. I need to prioritize that.
0: I think it's huge. I love that example you gave as well with your own Mm. personal life. And I think that's really big for listeners to hear because personally, when you're saying those things to list three positives, one negative, I was doing that two years ago for my own personal life. I stopped and I need to get back onto it. And you remind me of that. And it helped me tremendously. And then imagine if you do that for golf. And yesterday I asked my, I asked two students who played nine holes and I asked them, hey, what do you think you did well today? And they actually had a hard time trying to think what they did well. And then over about a five-minute period, they started listing off some things. But imagine if they wrote those things down, like you said, and how they can actually build off of that. And I think that'll help with their confidence. So I think that mm-hmm. was, was a really good piece of advice to give everybody just to kind of kickstart us and then also see the light at the end of the tunnel of how the mental side of golf can help us in life and build our confidence as well, which is cool. So for sure, Josh, you've, you've painted a very well picture for us on how important the mental side of golf is and its influences on us in the game of golf and on life. How can people find out more information about you and what you're doing?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I, I try to be in as many places as possible uh, across the internet. First of all, my, my personal website where that links directly to my coaching is foundationsmp.com for Foundations Mental Performance. That's that's my mental coaching business. Um, and pretty much everywhere on social, I'm at Josh Luke Nichols. And I try to post things from podcasts I do to to thoughts I'm thinking. And I Speaking of podcast, and I'm so thankful that you have me on this, but I, I have a podcast called The Mental Golf Show, and and I interview people, I, I, I do things where I'm just talking into the mic about the mental game of golf, so that's, that's kind of the thing that gets my most attention uh, aside from working with players, so uh, if anyone wants to hear more about the mental game of golf, they can listen to The Mental Golf Show when they're done listening to Raising Golfers, of course.
0: And I'll share those links in the show notes for sure. So Josh, great. Last question for you. What are your final words of inspiration for raising golfers?
1: Yeah. To, to talk to maybe both demographics that listen to this. First of all, to parents, listen to your kids in relation to golf. I won't tell you how to parent, but listen to your kids in relation to golf. Listen, ask questions, uh, find out what they love, what they need, why they're doing things. Um, what tournaments they want to play in, why they want to play in just ask questions. Listen. And to players, work really hard. I mean, it there's no getting around the amount of time and the quality of time that you need to put in. Schedule your time, plan your time, make your time more valuable and and just higher quality. Uh there you can't be I, I don't know of someone who who can't have who who didn't have high enough quality of time? Like you, you can't. Your time cannot be high enough quality. And just just put in the work and trust that you might not reach your goal when you want to, but you will reach it eventually if you put in the time. Uh, no one can guarantee when or how hard it will be, but with enough time, you will. It's it's like chopping down a tree. I say that I say this analogy all the time you can't show up one day and push over a tree, but you can show up every day and chop at a tree over and over and over. And if you get caught up in the tree falling down today, you'll get frustrated. You'll wear yourself out. But if, if instead you say, all right, my job today is putting in quality chops at the tree. That's all I care about. And then I'll show up tomorrow and do it again. And if I need a rest day from all the chopping, I will take the rest day. But every day my job is putting in those chops. And the tree will come down eventually. You don't know when, you don't know how hard it'll be. You don't know how, how long it will take, but it will come down eventually if you keep chopping and to every junior golfer out there, that's, that's the key is quality time and focusing on the long-term process.
0: Perfect. Josh, thanks so much for going on the podcast. You shared so much with us and I think everybody's gonna take so much away. So thank you again for coming on.
1: Absolutely. Travis, this is a real pleasure.
0: All right, Josh Nichols from Foundations Mental Performance. For me, the mental game, like Josh mentioned, allowed me to enjoy the game even more, and that was huge. I'm able to handle the ups and downs much better and learn something each and every time I play. If you aren't already taking notes after your lessons or around a golf, I highly recommend you do Josh's three-in-one exercise and write down those three things that you did well today and one that you can continue to work on. And I think that's really important, like Josh said, is we tend to lean more on the negative and not so much on the positive. But I think we need to actually start flipping that and lean more on the positive and a little bit less on the negative, but then build a plan on those things that we can improve on. Being a parent is difficult. And as we discussed, how much involvement in your junior's golf is delicate, it's that fine line. So what I recommend is constantly or regularly reflect on your values for your children and let that guide you on how much you really need to be involved in their golf. Now get out there, start improving your mental side of the game, not just for golf, but in life. I'm sure you'll see huge benefits. See you guys next week. If you enjoy listening to our podcast and the information you got from this episode, do us a favor and continue to support us by hitting that subscribe button and giving us a five-star review. Your continued support will help us continue to grow and be able to interview some of the most experienced parents, coaches, and players in the golf industry to help you continue to raise your
1: golfer to their full potential.